This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Alex Smythe. Canada's food insecurity problem is on the rise. A Statistics Canada study says nearly 7 million Canadians struggled with hunger last year. The study says that in 2022, 18% of families reported experiencing food insecurity within the previous 12 months, up from 16% in 2021. It says food insecurity was the highest in Newfoundland and Labrador at 23%, followed by New Brunswick and Alberta, which both sat at 22%. The study found homes with a racialized breadwinner reported higher food insecurity compared with a non-racialized, non-Indigenous earner, and this was especially true for Black Canadians. Emily Joveski, The Canadian Press. Now that is just one angle of food insecurity. There's also food waste. A recent article in Maclean's is exploring its impact on social and environmental issues. But it also suggests that the cycle can be broken. Don Dixonson has more on this story, and Don is the content curator for McLean's Magazine on AMI-audio. Hello, Don. How are you doing today? Good morning, Alex. I'm doing very well, thanks. Oh, that's great to hear. So, Don, this first article is titled Break the Food Waste Cycle by Josh Dominguez. Besides the actual waste of food, in what other ways is this issue impacting the environment? Well, you know, this is a very well-rounded article. He talks about all kinds of aspects of food waste, and he says that when food stacks up in landfills, it emits methane, a substance 25 times more damaging than carbon dioxide. If food waste were a country, it would be the third leading contributor to greenhouse gas emissions behind the United States and China. Uh, It's not just cars and planes, he says, that are polluting. It's also food. That blew me away, that statistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, just in terms of to the, the impact of the amount of methane and things like that that are being produced, because you, you may not necessarily think of that as being a, a big um, uh, kind of driver for that. But what are some of the other stats around how much food is being <laughs> wasted? Well, this is another statistics stat that just blew me away. 60% of the food uh, we produce in this country is thrown out every year, a third of which is edible at the time it is tossed. On average, Canadians spend more than $1,700 annually on unused food, even as grocery store prices are 20% higher than just two years ago. Food banks are seeing 60% more monthly visitors uh, now than in uh, 2022. And given that waste is generated at many points from the the farm to uh, the store to the table, um, there won't be just one way to to break the food waste change uh, chain but many and this is the this is the gist of the article the fact that we can do a great deal about this and that we should be doing much much more yeah i i think for me the one that really jumps out in terms of those numbers you described that 60 percent of food that is produced is thrown out every single year 60 percent over half of the food we produce that that 
is a huge number. That, that to me, is staggering. And so within this article, too, the author is actually the founder and CEO of Flash Food. So what does this company do to combat this issue of food insecurity? Yeah, well, he really put, took it upon himself to 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 deal with this issue. Flash Food <clears throat> is the company that he runs, and once clerks put food, uh, pull food from shelves, uh, these are uh, some uh, some food is donated and some food is bought. Okay, uh, users can buy it through an app and pick it up from one of nearly two thousand fridges across North America, usually at half price of what the original food costs. The company has diverted. 91 million pounds of food from landfills to date mm. and really he's saying that it's just the beginning well it, it's it's great to uh, see that there is uh people and organizations that are working to try to break this cycle trying to really uh kind of close that gap and and shrink the amount of food that is ending up in the landfills and getting wasted um, let's move on to the second article you wanted to profile. This one is called The Rise of the Application Coach by Michelle Saika. It, it takes a look at the students who are hiring advisors to improve their chances of getting admitted into schools of their choice. So what do these consultants offer these students who are trying to get into post-secondary institutions? Well, all you have to do is have a child trying to get into university these days to know how unbelievably difficult and critical it is um, for these kids to present themselves well. Uh, university consultants uh, offer paid services to students looking to sharpen their admissions profiles, coaching them on things like writing essays and on the curation of extracurricular hobbies. Some students have no idea which university to attend and want help in figuring that out. So we're talking about really basic stuff. The growing demand for consultant services mirrors students' escalating anxiety around university and i mean anxiety alex <laughs> uh, i am sure like i i remember even going through this process and it can be such an intimidating one because you never quite know what is going to be needed for those applications what's going to really set you apart but in, in in terms of this competition like to get into university what are some of the figures surrounding that well, they're pretty intense. Uh, there were 2.7 million post-secondary students in Canada uh, in 2020, representing an 81% increase in full-time enrollment since 2000. In the same time period, the proportion of Canadians aged 25 to 34 with bachelor's degrees increased from 24 to 42%. The growth in enrollment is not evenly distributed. The numbers for science, engineering, and business programs have steadily increased. Um, you know, there's a lot more applicants. Uh, uh, we all know this than there are for spots. Uh, Queen Smith School of Business received 9,000 applicants for 500 spots. So, um, you know, it's the old days of uh, my university days when you had really good grades, let's say, you know, 85% and up mm -hmm. or whatever, or some even 90s. That's long gone. Students with 95% averages or higher have less than one in three chances of being admitted to Waterloo's software engineering program. So it's uh, it's a tough go out there, Alex. Absolutely. Like when So when I first uh, um, came out of high school, I actually uh, was accepted into the Queen's Trent 
concurrent education program, and, and that was a very competitive program to get into as well. There was maybe a couple, maybe 100, 150 spots, and there were, you know, a couple thousand applicants. It's that, that level of competition, as you say, John, uh, Don, it's just not, you, you can't just rely on getting, oh, that 85 average, or you're okay. There, there's more that goes into this, and that's probably why a lot of these uh, uh, applicants are, are seeking out these consultants to really give them that, that final edge to get in. So in terms of these consultants, because you said they're, they're charging a fee, what are those uh, price ranges like for these consultants? Well, this is pretty frightening too. <laughs> uh, the fees can range widely at Toronto's um, Youthfully, which bills itself as a huge co coaching and undergraduate admission support uh, company. Programs are, are just over 2,000 for 10 hours of coaching, including access to other Youthfully perks, uh, like virtual workshops, curated uh, scholarships, courses, and whatnot. Um, there are other courses, though, substantially more ex expensive, ranging from uh, $1,000 to $9,000. Uh, whether or not students find these, um, uh, find their, their top schools is a matter sometimes of just, uh, well, it's 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 the it's the essay that they produce. It's the grade. It's it's a number of factors, right? But these coaches have a lot of experience in in really uh, drawing out, I would say, from these students uh, the things that they really need to put into these applications so they can get into these universities of their choice. Yeah, and I, I just say it's such a steep price to pay if you're literally looking to pay nine thousand dollars to get that extra little boost in. Uh, I I don't know if I I would have gone through that, but uh, wow. Uh, well, a lot of lot of kids just there's there's no way that they can go through it, Alex. They they yeah. can't afford it, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're barely scraping by in attending. So. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, Don. Thank you so much for bringing these two fascinating articles forward. Have yourself a wonderful day. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. That was Don Dickinson, who is the content curator for McLean's Magazine, which airs weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on AMI Audio. Coming up after the break, my coverage of the Odin Rethinking Disability Conference continues because I'm going to share with you my interview with Maureen Hahn, who discusses the progress of the Accessible Candac. You're watching now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.